Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Well, good morning and welcome to Collective. My name is Tyler, I'm one of the lead pastors. I have the privilege of leading alongside of my wife, Lee. We're glad that you're with us, whether you're in the room or you're engaging online. And I wanna say happy Father's Day to our biological dads, the adopted dads, stepdads, and the spiritual dads. We need you, especially in 2022. We need you as men to be tough, and tender, to care for people and to stand up for what matters. And so what you are doing and the role that you have in people's lives matters. And as you parent, as you father people, whether it's biological or spiritual, what you are doing is making a difference and we see you and I wanna thank you. I'm glad that we get to be on this journey together of figuring out what it means to reflect our Heavenly Father as at times deeply imperfect earthly fathers. We're starting this new series called Extraordinary. Extraordinary, where we're embracing the, the wisdom that we find in the ancient book of Proverbs. But before we even do that, I just, I wanna take a moment and I wanna, I wanna just celebrate the worship team because there's stuff behind the scenes that you wouldn't see that uh, I want to highlight a couple things. First, I want to highlight, Joel is in the grape room. We call it the grape room because there's fake grapes hanging from the ceiling and they're really ugly. And so we keep that door closed for that reason. <laughs> but Joel was in tirelessly getting things going. Like we're all like, we're hanging out and talking and he's like scrambling because projectors aren't working and all sorts of things. And so um, that whole time that worship was leading us, they had no words. So I don't know if you noticed, like they didn't have screens, they didn't have paper, they had nothing. And, and I was just, I was astounded by how beautiful it was as they led us into worship, led us to God. And I'm, I'm constantly reminded that, that beautiful reminder that uh, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And uh, I know that's true and I don't always enjoy the experience. And so I'm sure the worship team felt some of that. And yet, I think, I think we could agree, we felt it on the other side. We were going, there was something there. And, and so I wanna, I wanna take a moment. Can we celebrate the worship team and production, Joel specifically? Okay, so this series, Extraordinary, where we look at Proverbs. We're gonna work through Proverbs. We've been, uh, we spent a lot of time in the New Testament. And if you're familiar with the Bible, it's split up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And right around the center is the book of Psalms and near it is the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's one of the wisdom literature. And it reminds us of some central truths. The one is that God has designed everything with intention and with a plan. That there are things that God has done and established in the world that offer an opportunity to live as he intended us to live. 
Then oftentimes where we find ourselves in trouble is when we try to do it our own way. When we go, you know what? I know that's what God says, but I think I probably know better, so I'll just take it from here. And we find ourselves rejecting God's way and instead choosing our own way. And so we want to embark on this series where we look at this wisdom inspired by God, wisdom delivered through Solomon, this wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And we want to actually apply that wisdom to our lives. And I want to just let you know, because even as we unpack this, and even if you are reading with in Proverbs, like some of it, you just go, this is pretty ordinary stuff. And yet what makes it extraordinary is actually applying it to our lives. Because it's ordinary to hear wisdom and go like, yeah, well, of course, that makes sense. But what's extraordinary is to actually apply it and apply it meaningfully. And part of it is it's so important for us to actually pursue wisdom because um, we've been around people that are doing unwise things. We've seen people that you're like, what are you thinking? Like, have you processed any of this? No, you're just making unwise decisions. And then in those moments that we're like, wow, that person's so stupid, we think about in our own life, and we're like, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I do that stuff. And I have moments that I make decisions that I don't actually think about. What, what, would, what would God's wisdom say in this? I just kind of go, I think I'm gonna just do it my own way. We find this tension, and, and as Jesus followers, we're invited to live differently. And, and I want to just set the stage even here, and I want you to know, application and perspiration always trumps inspiration. We can be inspired by things. Have you ever heard wisdom, or, or you get these, these quotes, and you're like, man, that's really good. So if you're like Lee, and, and you're a little strange, you like post it on Pinterest. You pin it, right? You're like, you're like, look at me. There's my inspiration folder. Or maybe you have on your phone, like you screenshot things that you see that inspire you. They're, they're sayings of wisdom and, and leadership. And you're like, yeah, that's really good. And it ends up in your camera roll. Or, or you're like, I'm going to save it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take something that's inspiring and I'm going to just kind of place it somewhere else. But what ends up happening is we don't actually do anything with it. Maybe even you're one of those people and you get like the really inspirational uh, posters on your wall, like the, the cat hanging, like hang in there, and you're like, man, that just speaks to me. But oftentimes what ends up happening is we find, thing, find things that inspire us, but we don't actually put any effort into applying them, and there's no perspiration. There's no effort. Like, perspiration is you're working hard, and so you're actually sweating. And so for us, when we look at wisdom, we want to have application and perspiration. We want, to, we want to work towards what does it actually look like to apply this and put effort in. And if we're, not, if we're not careful and attentive in that, what ends up happening is we collect all sorts of things, never do anything with it, and we look at our lives and realize we're not really growing and we seem underdeveloped. We're looking, going, like, I have access to lots of inspiring things, but if I'm not applying it, I don't actually experience something different. And following the way of Jesus looks different than that. It's about partnership. See, God does the heavy lifting. This is the beautiful thing. The message of, of Christianity is that God sent his son to do what we could not do so that we might be restored. And the problem is we've overcorrected in the North American church or the Protestant church where we're like, I don't have to do anything now. He did the work. 
So I just get to take it all in and we see another Bible verse pop up and we're like, that's nice and we like it and then it never goes anywhere. We don't memorize it or we don't reflect on it. Part of the nature of following the way of Jesus is to actually, to, to work with God as he's challenging us, confronting us and showing us things to actually apply it to our lives. To so go, God, God, what do you want to do in me? What are you asking me to, to think and believe? And how are you asking me to respond to you? I want you to remember in this series, application and perspiration always trumps inspiration. Application, applying it, perspiration, getting to work, not just being inspired. Through the scriptures, through the Bible, we have access to this ancient wisdom. And it's so interesting because you'll hear things, and, and I've said it in a, in a few sermons where someone will bring something up in 2022 and they're like, I have a new idea. This is what it looks like to flourish in the world. And you're like, man, yes, that makes so much sense. But if you knew the Bible, you'd often look back and go, um, I don't think you were the first one to think that. Like there are things in Proverbs that you're like, there are people today making money filling conferences saying the things that are in this book that we all have equal access to. But the important part is that we take what we see and what we read and we apply it to our lives. And so the book of Proverbs is filled with God-inspired wisdom written down by someone named Solomon. And this week, I want to spend some time, and I want to set the stage for the series, and I want to look at the introduction of this book. And I think it's helpful for us to understand where we're going and what we want to do in this series. Now, if you have your Bible, you could turn to Proverbs 1, the very beginning of Proverbs. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. But one of the things you might see if you have a Bible is that there's, there's a, a subtitle under, under the uh, under the introduction. And what we actually see here is, in my Bible, it says, preface and motto, the purpose of Proverbs. The purpose of Proverbs. This is important. This beginning sets the tone. What is the purpose of this book? What was Solomon setting out to do? Partnering with God. What is the purpose? Why does this exist? Why does it matter? Because sometimes if we read the Bible, especially if, if maybe we're new to it or we're not super familiar, we end up reading stuff and kind of leaving ourselves going, what do I, what do, I do with that? What, what do I, how do I apply that to my life? And, and what's really beautiful about Proverbs is Solomon's like, oh, no, no, I, I've got you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it out from the very beginning. And so I want us to look at these introductory remarks. So I want us to read Proverbs 1, 1 to 8 together, and then we'll work through it. So Proverbs 1, 1 to 8, verse 1 says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. 
And then even here we see a different subtitle that indicates a different direction that's so pertinent for today. And as a completion of this section, it says, A father's exhortation, acquire wisdom. And in verse 8, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. Let's pray before we dig in. God, I pray that in these moments that you would be the one that speaks. You know it. We each walk in with all sorts of stuff, all sorts of noise, all sorts of distractions, maybe anxiety, maybe stress, maybe worry, maybe fear, maybe hesitation. Maybe even right now we walk in and we come to you with our own father wounds and a day like Father's Day just brings them up and bubbles to the surface. God, you let us know that your word is like, that, you, that the way you speak is like a whisper. And you also let us know that your words, the words of scripture, that they have power to cut to the heart of us. God, we know that you love us. And for those of us that struggle with that belief, God, I pray that you would remind us. But for all of us, would you speak to us and lovingly draw us closer to you? Would all the noise that's going on be swept away by your still, small voice? God, thank you for the wisdom that we find in these pages. I pray that they would be your words coming to life for each one of us. Speak to us individually, God. I need you. We need you. God, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so very first verse. Verse one, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. So Solomon's writing the book, and, and if you're not super familiar, you might be wondering, okay, who is this guy? Like, we're just reading his words. He tells that he is the son of David. David of, maybe you know it, David and Goliath. So he is the son of the, the one who conquered Goliath. This is who Solomon is, and he happens to be a king. David was a king, and then his son became the king. And there's another book of the Bible called First Kings, talks about kings, as you can imagine with the name like First Kings, that it tells about Solomon, it tells us that Solomon loved God and was passionate, especially early on in his life, of doing what God asked him to do. And because of that, God saw him and asked him, what do you want? That's like the dream, right? The blank check from God where he's like, I see you, I see that you love me, I see that you are faithful, what do you want from me? And there's all sorts of things as human beings that we would respond with, all sorts of things that you go like, well, you know, I kinda, money would be nice. <laughs> and yeah, what does Solomon ask for? He asks for wisdom. And so God sees that and he's like, oh, this is good. I see that this guy's heart is in the right place. And so he gives him wisdom. And so he writes a book on wisdom. And what's so interesting about Solomon is for all the wisdom he has and all the wisdom we'll find, there are still these moments in his life where he lives with anything but wisdom. He does some stupid things. One of them indicates a problem that he maybe has with his heart. 700 wives, 300 concubines. Why? Like, 700 wives, and you're like, that's not quite enough. Also, 300 concubines, which makes sense because later on he's like, hey, be wary of your lusts of the flesh. And you go, yeah, yeah, you're writing that going, maybe you should read it. Maybe you should listen and go, application and perspiration is better than inspiration. 
Like you, you go, yeah, we should probably pay attention. You're like, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna keep it low key. A thousand women. You're like, that, that's not a wise thing. He, in so many ways, his life was very successful and rich. And then he writes the book called Ecclesiastes where he's like, it's all meaningless outside of God. It's so interesting. He had to find all these things and go, well, maybe a thousand women is enough. Maybe all the wealth in the world. Maybe all this stuff is enough only to get to a point of realizing it only, only God is the one that actually satisfies what's in my heart. And so Solomon is writing this book of Proverbs. And he's writing it early on when his life is faithful and, he, and he's offering wisdom to us. And, and what is the... What is the purpose of Proverbs according to him? In verse two, their purpose is to, re- or to teach people, to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. And so it's important to, to note that the purpose is to help people to teach them wisdom. Why? Because none of us are born with it. Like, if you want to just confirm that, go spend time with our four-year-old son, okay? He was not instinctively like he came out of the womb and he just made really wise choices. That was not his instinct. Spend time with a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a four-year-old and you realize, like, we are not born infinitely wisdom, filled up with wisdom. We find kids struggling with things like delayed gratification, Right? With our son, with Parker, we're like, um, hey, so if you eat all your food, you can have a treat. And it's like, I want my treat now. And you're like, yeah, no problem. Eat all your food. He's like, I want it now. I want to eat it now. And you're like, yeah, but the, the other food is the stuff that actually fuels you and you can eat it after. And he's like, what if I don't eat all of it? Can I also have the treat? Like this whole struggle, right? And it's so interesting to me because as human beings, we're like, yeah, children, you know, they really struggle with, delayed gratification and wisdom in that area. And then we have one of the highest rates of consumer debt because we want it now. And we don't worry about whether we can afford it. I want it now. There's this part of us as human beings that desperately need wisdom. And I think increasingly around us, certainly in 2022, we need wisdom. We need to learn from others. We need to learn from people that have lived their lives well. Because if we're left to our own devices, trying to, trying to do wise things by ourselves, inevitably we'll find ourselves like the kids making decisions that are not helpful. We need to learn from others. And notice that Solomon wants to teach us wisdom, but not just wisdom, discipline. Which for some of us is like a, a dirty word. You're like, oh man, discipline. And just so we're clear, it's Father's Day. I'm not talking about spanking your kids. It's not like where it's like, yeah, we want to teach you how to really discipline your children. It's about living a life of discipline. Discipline in this scenario means to train ourselves to do something in a habitual way. It means not just kind of being haphazard. It means organizing our lives so that we do the things that matter to us, that shape us to be the people that we want to be. And the challenge for so many of us is we don't live like that. We lack discipline. 
We have an intention. I want to be like this, but along the way, we don't make consistent decisions that shape how we live and shape our habits, and we wonder why we didn't get to where we want to be. Discipline creates structure early that feels uncomfortable. You're like, oh, I'm doing this even though I don't want to. To get to a place where you're doing this and you're aware of it, but it's moving in a direction. To get to the place where you actually are just doing it as a normal part of your life. That is habitual. And so we have wisdom applied and we experience discipline. That we discipline ourselves to pursue this kind of wisdom. We don't simply just float by. We don't simply just exist. Instead, we seek a way of life that is more intentional and a way of life that is more structured and disciplined. And all of us know people that aren't disciplined. All of us have moments in our own life where we're not disciplined, and we see that it it rarely accidentally leads to what you want. You rarely end up being this phenomenal parent or, or, or passionate follower of Jesus accidentally and without discipline. And as followers of Jesus, as followers of the way of Jesus, we're invited to, to take intentional steps towards a life of increased discipline and surrender to God. We're not meant to be passive recipients, but instead partnering with God and following him as he invites us to embrace his habits and his way of life. Solomon wants us to have disciplined lives, but it also tells us that Solomon wants us to live successful lives. He says with Proverbs that their purpose in verse three is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. Solomon's goal is not for us to simply live. He wants us to live successfully. But note, that does not mean success in the way that we define it. It doesn't even really mean success in the way that Solomon later defines it. Like I said, 700 wives, 300 concubines. That's not success. Okay, in case anyone's like, yeah, I just, if I do this, then it'll all work out. Like, this is not that. Instead, Solomon actually tells us, before he had been distorted and distracted later on in life, what what success actually looks like. It looks like helping people do what is right, just, and fair. And I want you to note here, he does not say uh, what success is, is thinking about what is right, thinking about what is just, thinking about what is fair. No, he says, do it. When you know that something is right, do it. Do what is just. Do what is fair. And it's an important distinction for us to know that wisdom is not just for our own personal benefit. It's not just so that we can grow to be more actualized human beings. And we go, well, I'm just this perfect paragon of of perfection. Look at me. I am successful for my own benefit. Success is always meant to impact others around us and help them by doing what is right, by doing what is just, and by doing what is fair. Wisdom has this transformative effect on communities as we become people of godly wisdom. We shape things around us and we care for other people. See, so much of our culture is selfish and completely self-centered and individual and wisdom like this should never lead to self-centeredness or selfishness. It should lead to a different way of life. Solomon continues in verse four that these proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. So notice that, that it gives knowledge and discernment to the young. 
and to those that are simple. It's to people that are growing, that have not arrived yet, that have not figured it out, that are in process. And, and I know people that are older in age that are not wise. Just like I know some younger people that are incredibly wise. This is not just an indicator of age. It's also an indicator of heart. Are you, are you someone that is wise or are you still someone that is learning and growing? Have you, have you got to a place where you've accrued some, some wisdom in your life or are you in process? And notice here that he's saying that, that he wants to give knowledge but also discernment. This is an important distinction for us to understand that it's not just knowledge but it's also discernment. We are given a filter, each of us, to help us to judge what we're learning, whether it's true, and whether it's causing us to actually become more and more like Jesus. This is discernment, because we have tons of knowledge. In 2022, we have no shortage of access of information. I can learn all sorts of information, but what we do lack is discernment. We lack the ability to filter through that information and go, is this helpful? Is this true? And is this helping me to become more and more like Jesus? This is why for any of us that would be parents, we do not rely on Google to parent our kids, right? We don't just like go, our kids are like, so I have a question about things and you're like, get on your browser, search it. I'm sure it'll be true. No, what do we do? We help our kids to learn, to discern. They don't, they're not born with the ability to critically think or filter, and so we help them, and we shape them, and we form them, and we, we help navigate all this information in a way that discernment matters. And I think for so many people where we get into trouble is we have access to all this information and ourselves lack discernment. And so we end up down a rabbit trail. And so we're looking for one thing, like we're looking to find about more about Jesus or there's a question that we have. And I don't know if you ever found it where you're searching for something, you end up on some page and then suddenly you're on this random forum and you're like, I think I have arm cancer and I don't know how I got, I don't know how this happened. Like, I don't know how I started looking at one thing and then I ended up watching 14 YouTube videos that took me to a Reddit stream and I'm like what what am I what am I doing because the internet is not like it's not helping us to discern it's just access to all sorts of things and so we don't want just knowledge we want also discernment and Solomon says in verse 5 let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser let those with understanding receive guidance. So there's an element that wisdom is valuable for people that are young. And then there's this also beautiful element that wisdom is valuable for people that are older or have wisdom. By exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles, that they, understand, they receive guidance, that we receive guidance as we are learning. It tells us that wise people listen and become wiser. Wise people actually listen and become wiser. If you're a parent or you spend any time with kids, you know there's a big difference between listening and hearing, right? <laughs> hearing is like, yeah, it went near your ears. It didn't go anywhere after that. And you're like, please don't do that. And they're like, it just goes, it bounces off their head. 
Listening is when they hear what you're saying and then they actually listen and take it in and it processes in their brains. It's an important distinction. And here it's this invitation to be people that actually listen to wisdom and become more and more wise. This is a posture issue. This is a positioning issue. How do I posture myself? Am I postured to grow? Like, do I actually want to be a learner? Do I want to be someone that wants to be wise and continue to grow in my wisdom? Or am I laboring under this prideful illusion? Like, I pretty much got it all sorted out. I'm pretty good here. I think I've got it. Because what I've learned is that the people that are continually humble and going, like, I just, I know I can grow, tend to be the most wise. And the people that are the most arrogant and shut off tend to be the least wise. And consequently, the ones you want to spend the least time with, right? You're not like, you're not around them going like, what do you think? You're like, please don't tell me any more of what you think. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Like, please keep it to yourself. But I think about times that I've spent with people that are wise and their words linger with me. Like, you ever had that? You spend time with someone and they say something and like a week later, you're still going, man, that's true. What do I do? What does that look? What, is, what do I do with that? Like, one of my, one of my favorites was uh, I was spending time with one of the overseers, Steve Fleming, and uh, he was talking about you don't really know what's in people until you push back and ultimately say no to them. And then you actually, and I was like, oh, like that's like fairly, yeah, and yet so valuable. And I sat there and it lingered with me and it shaped and changed some of my thinking. It was so incredibly helpful. So what are we seeing with Solomon? We're seeing in this intro that wisdom matters. Wisdom leads to success. Wisdom is all about doing what is right and good and just. But how? How do we know what wisdom even is? Is it just anything that Solomon says? We're like, okay, perfect. Now we're good. And anything outside of that, what, what anchors all of it? What gives us a filter? What helps us with our discernment? And Solomon, being brilliant, tells us. In verse 7, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. It is so important in a culture where we're all about self-help and self-actualization and being our best self that we understand that what Solomon is saying is that none of that stuff is what really, really matters if it isn't founded on the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? Like I'm afraid of God all the time? It's like, oh, here he is again. Is that success? No, fear of the Lord is all about priorities, where is God in your life? Does, is, is he in his rightful place? Is he at the center? Is he the one that gets to tell us what's good and wrong? Is he the one that gets to define things for us? Or are we flipping it and going, I'm gonna tell you how to be God and I'll take it from here. Do we actually have God in his rightful place? Is God at the center of everything? And as we learn, as we learn more thing, that's, things, that's why I said where we're filtering and going, is it true? Is it helpful? And does it cause us to become more like Jesus? Because there are things that you go, I don't know, that sounds kind of true. Maybe that's helpful. And then you look at your life and go, I don't look more like Jesus. My life is not shaped more and more like God. And we realize that our priorities, our priorities are out of place. 
Because here's the problem and the risk, is we can look at a series like this and we can work through Proverbs and we can look at wisdom and we can go, these are really, really good and we can focus on, I'm just bettering myself and I wanna grow. But if God is not at the center of all of it, it's foolishness. Because what ends up happening is we learn all sorts of things and it just puffs us up and we're like, I am so brilliant and wise, right? But when God is the one that provides us wisdom and everything goes through his filter, we become more and more like him and our lives are changed and we walk with humility and grace and yet wisdom. And on this Father's Day, it's important for us to actually reflect on where do I fit in terms of my heavenly Father, God? Where do I put him? Where have I placed him? Is he at the center? Is he kind of on the side? It's important to understand that God is our father, that he loves us, and sometimes love means correcting us and saying no to us and telling us you're not gonna go this way and I'm not gonna let this happen. And and, and it's important that we understand it's because God wants the absolute best for us. Like when God designed the world and he designed life at its best, life for human flourishing, he did not look at it and go, I wanna make it restrictive And I want to harm them. I want to say no to everything I can and just make sure that they have no joy in their lives. (laughs) Ha ha! That is not God. And some of us have that illusion. Like God's looking at us and he's saying, no, 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 no. And what we don't understand is God is saying, I'm protecting you. Like if we would let him... our, our, or let them, our kids would climb hydro poles and hang from the hang from the the cables, they would like play with fire, they'd try to hop in the oven and play hide and go seek, right? Our kids would do all of that stuff and as parents, the most loving thing we can do is not to go, yeah, they're just kids, figuring it out. I'm just loving them by letting them doing their own thing. No, the most loving thing we can do as parents is go, no, don't do that. That will harm you. And I think sometimes we forget that God as our heavenly father is doing that and and I know that for some of us is because we struggle with our earthly father. It's really like my dad does not represent that. And we, and we struggle with this dynamic and we struggle with how can God be like that and say that. And, and it's important for us to evaluate and then bring back to God. Solomon here brings it back to a parent level, even in this last verse. And, and I think it's so fitting given that it is Father's Day and we're reflecting on God, even the heavenly father. And so this last verse says this, a father's exhortation, acquire wisdom is the subtitle. My child, listen when your father corrects you and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Now, part of this is Solomon's writing to his kids. Now, 700 700 wives and 300 concubines, I'm like, uh, probably a few, probably a few of his kids. But he's also writing to us in 2022. He's writing to us, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. The importance of moms and dads. But it's also important to understand for some of us, we're not biological parents. Some of us are spiritual parents. And some of us have spiritual parents. And some of this just begins to speak to why parents are so valuable for children. 
See, if, if you could spend time with our kids' ministry, you would hear elements of this and understand that as parents, whether it's spiritual parents or biological parents, you are responsible for the spiritual health and guidance of your kids. You are responsible, first and foremost. And what's happened in the church in previous times is uh, we struggle because we're not really living it out and we're living undisciplined lives. And so we go to the church and we're like, you take care of it. Like my kids, I don't know what they think, what they believe. Um, you take them for an hour and fix them. And, and being a, a, when I was a youth pastor, you'd talk to parents and you go like, what kind of conversations are you having about faith? And what are you inviting them into? And what are you sharing about what you're learning? And they're like, ah. We don't, really, we, don't really, we don't really do that, but like you fix them. Like they have some behavioral issues. Okay, can we just do even like simple math? Um, kids ministry, an hour and change on a Sunday. Uh, who has more influence, uh, us in kids ministry or you as a parent? You as a parent, you have way more time. Way more time just by function of how many hours you get. Even with school, school shapes our kids. But as parents, we have way more time. Who are they looking at early on to see, like, do you believe this? Are you living this out? Us as parents. And so we can't, we can't give that off to someone else and go, you take care of it. And we don't get to get upset and go, like, our kids are so inconvenient and difficult because we were like that. And we get to help them and walk with them as they're trying to figure it out because they are not fully formed. God doesn't send his, our kids to us and go, like, well, they're already done. He's like, get to work. Then you're gonna spend the rest of your life trying to help them. Like, I remember when Lee, got, Lee was pregnant for the first time, and you just have this realization, like, what this means. And you're like, this is forever now. <laughs> like, there's this sense, and you go, yeah. And I think sometimes we struggle. I have it where Ava, Ava will, like, ask, like, a million questions. And there's times that I'm like, just Stop. And then Lee, in her wisdom, will remind me, like, she doesn't, she doesn't know. Like, she's not asking to be annoying. She's asking. Because she's looking at us going, tell me what it means to follow Jesus. Tell me how you integrate this into your life. Tell me who God is. Tell me who, what it means and why it matters to follow Jesus. Now, as a community, we're all responsible. We're all responsible for our kids. So even if you look and you go like, I never want kids. We are responsible as a community to raise our kids. And they look at, like this is one of the things that I think is humbling for us as parents is they, they watch you. Like for the people that are on the team, they watch. Like Parker is obsessed with wearing his hat backwards. I don't even think I told you that. Do you want to know why? Everyone look at Will up here. So I go, hey man, what are you doing? He's like, Will wears his hat backwards. And I was like, I was like, you want to be like Will? He's like, yes. <laughs> and so he's wearing that. And it's the same thing as during worship. They watch. Our kids watch and they go, oh, we see people raising their hands. Not because of some phony thing where you're trying to be performative, but because you're lifting your hands up and you're saying, God, I'm here. Sur I surrender. I want you. I All these things, they watch us. They watch you. This is the, the part of community that's so beautiful. But as parents... If we hope and think that the primary thing is going to be communal development of our kids, I think we're missing out. We have responsibility. And in Proverbs, we see what the responsibility of parents are. We see that a father corrects and the mother instructs that this is important. And it presumes that as, as dads, that we're correcting our kids. 
that we're actually correcting our kids. That means when you're like, hey, don't do that, and you're like, oh man, I feel like the worst parent, I always have to. No, that's part of your responsibility is to correct. And as, as moms, where you're like, I just keep like, just saying the same thing over and over and over again, and they don't listen, you're instructing them. And what you're doing matters. And so on one hand, we look at it from the side of as earthly parents, and we're like, yeah, that's what's important for our kids. But then on the other side, we think about what does that mean for kids? And so maybe you're, you're grown and you're like, I don't know, my parents, like I don't, they, don't, they don't really do, I, I figured it out from now. So you don't have parents that are helping you. And, and for all of us, whether you're uh, an adult or you're young, we're invited to do the same thing. Listen when your father corrects you and don't, don't neglect your mother's instructions. So just from an earthly perspective, now, I recognize that there are some parents that we have, that each of us have experiences with, that uh, don't have a lot of wisdom. And so when they correct us, it's harmful and, and hurtful. And when they instruct us, it's stuff that you're like, I'm not going to do that. But in that process, I believe wholeheartedly that God sends people to function as our mom and dad spiritually. That he doesn't just look at our biological parents, he brings others. And, and to recognize that that these people have wisdom that we need. Like, we need to listen to people. We need to have people that correct us. Even, like, I'm 36, I'm cresting towards 40, and I still, I never want to outgrow the need for people that are further than me that I look up to correcting me and instructing me. I never want to go like, I, I'm beyond that. Because if you've ever paid attention in any scenario, it does not work out well. When people are like, I'm beyond correction and instruction, what do they do? Blow up their lives. Do stupid things. You're like, oh, man. You go, if you had people around you, they would say to you, don't do that way before you ever did anything. And so for those of us that have complicated relationships with our parents, I want us to really seriously think about who are the people in my life that I look up to? Who are the people that, that I value? Who are the people that, I, that, that challenge me to follow Jesus? Because some of us are really lucky, really fortunate. Our biological parents are also our spiritual parents. Like the ones that, that gave birth to us are also the ones that help us to be formed to be like Jesus. And they challenge us and they encourage us and they pray over us and they pray for us. Some of us have that, but many of us don't. Many of us are biological parents. You look at their spiritual lives and you go like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want what they have. And so we look for other people around us in our communities that do have that, that we respect and that we value. For, for Lee and I, we have multiple layers of that. We have people inside of our church and then we have people outside of our church. Outside our church, we have what are called overseers. So they're pastors of other churches that help us, that care for us, that, that challenge us. And, and two couples specifically are older and have length of ministry experience. And for me, that is really valuable. One specifically, I mentioned Steve Fleming. He started ministry, started a church, and then finished well, handed it off well with kids that love Jesus and a marriage that was passionate and, and healthy and a faith that was vibrant. And I look at that and go, I want that. 
Like, I don't just want to be, I don't want to be 40 and go like, well, my life flamed out. I, I, want, I want lasting, and I want wisdom over the long haul. And so when we spend time with them, we mine them for stuff. We're like, what, and what about, what did he do? And, what, and we learn, and same with, there's another couple, George and Lori, that we got to get on FaceTime. They live in, in Calgary, and we spent time with them, and we're asking them about things, and we look at their kids and how they parented, and was it perfect and all just up? No, but are there things that we can learn from them? Absolutely. What about their marriage? Well, we respect their marriage, and we look at, there's so many elements of their lives that we want to spend time with, and so we place them, and we allow them to do what? Just like this verse says, correct us and instruct us. Like, there's room for each of them, and they have, to go, hey, uh, don't do that. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Like, you know, like, anyone here love being corrected? Good. Okay, none of us do! But what's the important thing with this is we know those couples love us. And not just like, I love you, like care for us. Ask about our kids. Ask how our marriage is. Like care about us. And so when they say things that are difficult, it's a little easier because you go, they're for us and we want to be better. When they instruct us, we know that they have life experience that we don't and wisdom that we want. And we go, okay, I, I want to hear what you have to say. We need more wisdom. We, have never, we never want to get to this place that we think I've arrived and now I am perfect and good to go. God wants to surround us with people that will help us to grow in our wisdom and Discernment. I, I, I think a lot about discernment, and I go, one of the ways you can ask God for discernment, one of the best ways to grow in discernment is to be around discerning people. And to ask, like, well, why did you go in that direction? And, think, and they explain their thinking, and you're like, man, that makes so much sense. And then it helps you the next time you're navigating something. You're like, well, I remember this, and they thought through, and then you're challenging through, and it helps you to grow. And, and I want us to know that as as a church, we want to be a church that is growing, not just numerically, but individually. And, and people are crucial for that to happen. For us to grow, we, this is a very North American idea to go, like, it's my personal relationship and I do it by myself. That is not the way of Jesus. If you read the entire New Testament, you'd realize how much they did together. Everything was together. They shared everything. They did everything together. They were with each other and we've lost some of that. And so, so many of us, we struggle because we're like, I don't know, do I have Spiritual mother and father. Do I have people in my life that I allow to challenge me, to correct me, to instruct me? And some of us find ourselves going, no. Because we're like, I thought I just had to figure it out by myself. Who told you that? The beauty of community is that we have access to other people that have gone where we, where we have not gone. And so I, on one hand, as we start this series, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to seek and apply wisdom. That whole idea. Application and perspiration always trumps inspiration. When you're reading this or when we're learning, I want you to seek and apply it. So there's a challenge there. Don't just listen and go like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Take it seriously and figure out what does it mean to live with discipline. So there's one hand that I want to challenge you on that. And then the other one that that I want to go even further on, that I want to land with on Father's Day, is who are you allowing to help lead you? Who are you actually inviting into your life to help you? Who are you looking at and going, um, correct me, instruct me? Who do you have in your life? Who do you look at around you that go, man, 
I want a marriage like them. I want to raise kids like them. I want a passionate relationship with Jesus like them. Do you spend time with them? You ask them questions? Do you give them permission? Like one of the things that I think and I believe about, about those kind of roles in your life is you have to give them permission to do those things. Like people that are really wise aren't going to just come up to you and go, uh, let me tell you what I think. They want to be asked because they want to know, do you actually want to hear what I have to say? I've been around people that go like, tell me, give me some wisdom and you give it to them they're like, I'm not going to do that. Do you know what that does? Makes me not want to give anymore. Right? But when someone's like, I thought about what you said, and I was thinking, and I applied it, and I tried this, do you know what that makes you want to do? Have access. You come in, learn from, I want to share my life, and that's, that's so attractive. So who, who are you actually allowing to lead you? And then the other side of that same thing, because we might even be okay with that. We're like, okay, other people helping me to get better. Who am I helping? Like, honestly, who am I helping? I mean, we have, we have kids ministry, we have teams that are serving others that are shepherding and caring for each other, and both of those sides are what it means to follow Jesus. We have people that are investing in us, and we are investing in others. And if we do one over the other, we miss out, but when we do both together, we grow and we seek wisdom and we apply it and we are surrounded by people that challenge us and we grow in our discernment. We become who we are supposed to be. We cannot be selfishly focused followers of Jesus that are so centered on going, it's me and God and only me and God and miss out on the fact that that God has put people around us to help us and shape us. So, Seek and apply wisdom, but the challenge is who are you allowing to lead you and who are you leading? And if you don't have someone, if you don't have people that are around you, maybe this week the challenge is, I wanna pray for that. I wanna ask God for that. And, and just as maybe like a, a little aside on that, I, I, we've had people that come up to us and, and, um, and sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's not where they're like, will you mentor us? And what's actually more valuable is to just begin asking questions. Like not going up to the person going like, will you commit the rest of your life to me? And they're like, uh, hi, uh, yeah. And there are times that you feel a kinship, but what does it look like to begin to ask? Like, hey, how do you guys have such a healthy marriage? Or like, what does your life look like? How do you connect with God? What what do your spiritual practices look like? What, What have you learned? Like, where do you notice that I need to grow? Like asking those questions that begin to challenge. And so maybe for some of us, it's beginning to pray honestly and asking God, who are those people? And then the other side, God, who are you placing around me? Who are the people that I feel drawn to, that I care for, that I, I wanna see grow? And, and how do I actually make it important that they know that I care for them and that I'm with them and that I pay attention to them? Because especially in a a culture where there's so much that can go surface or appearance, to have people that are meaningfully present with you is so unique. Like, I don't know if you've ever had it where you're meeting with someone and they sit on their phone the whole time or they constantly look at your phone, their phone. Um, It doesn't exactly make you feel like you're important, right? You're like talking to them. And I've had times you're like pouring out your heart and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I feel, I feel that from you. What's the difference when you spend time with someone and they don't, like, I I really try. I keep my phone away and I'm like, you're there. You go, this person sees me. 
This person values me. What would it look like for us to do that with other people? What would it look like for us to see the kids as people that we get to be responsible for help shaping? To model what it means to follow Jesus. What would it look like for us to do that with each other? To look at someone, and I'm not saying it all has to be like you look at someone who's 30 years younger than me or who's 20 years older than me. What if you look at someone that just has some things in their life that you want, that you respect, and you spend some time investing in others, that sharing some things that you've learned and having other people invest in you. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. We want to be a church that pursues wisdom and pursues discipline and understands that at the center of all of it is God. And so I don't know where you're at today. Maybe for some of you, you have some things that this has brought up and you're like, I don't even know where to start. I feel kind of stuck or I'm not sure what to do. We have the prayer team that will be over in this section that would love to pray for you and with you. They would love to, to contend uh, on your behalf that God would show you people that you, could, that you could invite in or ask questions of or God would show you people that you need to invest in. Or maybe there's some wounding that you have, uh, your own dad or your parents, and, and you go like, ah, oh, there's some stuff here that I need to work through. They would love to walk with you through that. At the core of all of this, all of this, my challenge is, I don't, if you are coming to a church and hoping that Collective will be the church where you can just kind of do your own thing, you will not like me. Because what I want for each one of us is to be the kind of community where we serve others as we're being served. That we invest in others as we are being invested in. That all of us have an active role and responsibility in that. That it is not about a few people and you go like, wow, their life seems to be really impactful and they have people around them. All of us have a responsibility to get in the game and to look at others and go, How, what does it look like to grow? What does it look like to be a community where I am active in my participation, not passive in my spectating? We want to move from being a church that is okay with being consumers to instead being people that contend for others, that, that let other people be spiritual mothers and fathers to them and do the same for others. And as we do that and as we serve, we will find a community that is healthier and resilient and wise and filled with discernment. And so the question becomes, do you want to help us build that kind of community? Because that is the trajectory that we are on. And this summer, we are going to take specific and intentional steps in that direction. I want to pray for us, and then let's respond with worship. God, I pray that, that you would draw us close, that you would pay, help us to pay attention to people in our lives that, that we need to learn from. God, and help us to see people that, that we can invest in. Help us to be attentive to this family that you are building. God, help us to be people that seek and apply wisdom. Help us to be people that, that apply what you are saying, that work, that work at times so hard to, to apply it that, that we perspire. God, help us to not be a people that is content with watching others, but instead a church community that wants to get in the game and be involved. God, for each one of us, you see us, you see where we're at, and I ask that you would challenge us, that you would lovingly correct us, that you would spur us on. God, for those of us in the room with deep father wounds, remind us that that is not you. 
that you are a perfect heavenly father. God, I pray that even for those of us that that have those father wounds, that we would have the courage to, to go up to the prayer team and to begin the process of healing or maybe to take just another step toward healing. God, we love you. And as we worship, we worship in response to who you are. And even in these next few moments, speak to us as we worship. God, we need you. I need you. We need to be a community that is desperately, completely reliant on you. Build your church. We love you. In Jesus' name. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.